Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Okay, what a monumental occasion coming up tomorrow. A Six Nations title eliminator between ourselves and England at Twickenham. Can you please welcome to the stage the greatest punditry duo since Satan Greavesy. It's Andrew Trimble and the man whose outstretched right arm continues to stalk the nightmares of Lewis Moody. It's the England killer, Shane Horgan. Round of applause, please. Shane, do you prefer the England killer, Mr. Twickers? Yeah, both of those things are <laughs> well well known as. Um, I'm, but most importantly, I'm, I'm really happy that I got one of these yellow uh, yeah. tags. I don't know if anybody knows these, but you can get as many drinks as you want backstage. <laughs> so it's going well. <laughs> Good start. Andrew, the last time we had you here sitting on that spot was the most miserable occasion in second captain's history. That wasn't Andrew's fault, I should probably point out. Well, not entirely. Yeah. It was, it was fault Jack Hardy's fault. It, it was Jack Hardy's fault, yeah. Ireland against Japan, seven in the morning. A few Jack Hardy fans out there, by the, by the sound of things. Bad so start for me there, it's isn't gonna it? Be a, it's going to be a happier occasion today. Uh, we have got a nice picture behind me, or do we, Simon? There we do, yes. That's Shane and Andrew together singing the national anthem. But which national anthem, the question is? Yeah. Was it ours, Andrew, or was it one of our Six Nations opponents? It certainly wasn't the soldier song, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, <laughs> and, uh, I love Jack Cardi. I love Jack Cardi. Andrew is all for two. No, you're all for number three. <laughs> I'm the pantomime villain. Sorry for that. The, the, I think Do you know what the, the thing I like best about that photograph is? I haven't changed a bit. Not a bit. Where it's like looking into a mirror over there. <laughs> uh, tell us about the... People may remember this tale from the podcast a little while ago when you were playing against one of our Six Nations opponents and you got a little bit carried away pretty much. I did, yeah. I, I'd be a small bit of a space cadet. I'd be a small bit dopey. I would sort of do a bit of daydreaming and we were lining out against Scotland at Murrayfield and um, I was beside Shaggy 
um, in the in the lineup. And I was daydreaming, wasn't thinking about what was going on. My son has inherited that trait, and it's so frustrating. <laughs> he doesn't sing opposition anthems. Yeah. <laughs> but I did send him upstairs to get put his pajamas on. Half an hour later, I went upstairs, and he was wearing his pajama top, naked from the waist down, lying on his back, playing with his cars. <laughs> You're glad I said cars, aren't you? <laughs> so, anyway... Uh, anytime, anytime my son does anything annoying like that, my wife turns to me and she says, that's your fault. <laughs> so anyway, I was daydreaming and um, a flower of, <laughs> flower of Scotland came on and I just lost myself for a moment and just, I didn't quite belt it out, but I definitely <laughs> got on board with it. And then uh, Shaggy was beside me and he was like nudged me, half amused, half frustrated. He was like, you don't even sing our anthem. <laughs> I, I love, but we had uh, Gatlin when he came in. First off, he he asked us to do two things, both of which were really sort of sort of uh, not ideal. He said you should wear fake tan on your legs to make you look more physical, and also, um, sorry, when, this isn't actually true. Is no, it? this is one hundred percent true. He said, you know, if you wear fake tan, you know, listen, hang on. You, I know you guys know um, weightlifting. You know bodybuilding. Of they wear face tan. They look bigger as a result. This, I'm sh- I assume, is what Gatlin was saying. So furiously fake, taking notes ahead of the AFL four divi- uh, uh, league ah. for this year. And the the other thing he said was, um, especially when we were playing Scotland, to actually, like Trim said, to sing the flower of Scotland as well. It was a great song. It was like, hang on a second, we're already singing two anthems. Did we fucking get third? <laughs> like. You lads are going to love Hogwatch later on, I'd say. Now, these two lads are known, as you well know, as our two greatest ever wingers, not named Dennis Hickey. But did you know they also played in the centre together for Ireland in the Six Nations against England at Twickenham? This is true. It was back in 2008. Ireland started with this nice try by Rob Kearney. Where if you can talk us through it here, nice it's, line it's, out. It's a beautiful backline. I feel like this pass from Shane here just opens the entire. That oh, one there, that's yeah, it, just yeah. opens the, From there, really, it's a simple run-in try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's all about Horgan that try. It was, yeah, yeah. He's he's just a midfield maestro we needed at that moment. Trico wasn't missed uh, on the yeah. day, so you notice that the, I got missed. That's the story of my international yeah. career. <laughs> no, no, you nearly get in the way of this, actually, Trim. So we can see. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we narrowly avert disaster there, yeah. <laughs> but Rob Carney, speaking of looking extre- extremely young, the Rob Carney that uh, ends in the last frame of this, he looks 14 years old, which is really yeah. quite something. Well, but it's a hell of a try, a yeah, hell of a finish. It's a hell of a finish here, yeah, there's there Rob he is. Carney. <laughs> so, you know, 10-0 up, early doors at Twickenham, you two boys in the centre, shoring things up. Easy enough win, I presume, from there? Uh, mm. oh. Yeah. Oh. Shit, oh. shit, shit, shit. That was one of the worst experiences of my life. I'm just telling you now. Really? It was not good. Playing in the centre of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was not good. Um, we. Uh, I. And by the way, I'm not blaming Trims, but I've never lost against England other than that game. Oh. So. Uh, uh, Jamie Noon was playing 13 opposite us. <laughs> Listen, a legend like Jamie Noon. <laughs> <laughs> Ever heard of him? <laughs> Yeah, me neither. Took him for granted that day. I uh, probably carried for um, uh, all my carries put together, probably, I'd say probably negative at least 25 metres. <laughs> Jimmy Noon smashed me every time I got the ball. Do you know what really left it for me, though? It was, it was um, we were getting beaten quite badly, and I was getting more ex- Annoyed with me. <laughs> yeah, more exasperated, exasperated, and a very young 
uh, Luke Fitzgerald came on and you know he did something and I started screaming at him and he he told me to calm down <laughs> and I've never felt older I never felt older I am calm it's like it's it's all over for me now I'm gone, <laughs> gone. ah screw that enough of that enough of the negative negativity here let's remind you why Shane is called Mr. Twickers O'Gara little chip and shake so Triscoll is coming bounce it's O'Driscoll's Brian O'Driscoll he's got support Shane Horgan it's about pace can he get there Shane Horgan oh just held up short Ireland still have the opportunity Stringer O'Driscoll O'Driscoll continues advantage being played to Ireland Stringer still has Ireland still have Horgan has another opportunity we go to the TMO. Look at each other. Hold on a moment. Shane Horgan. If you've done this, you will be remembered for many, many years. Watch the feet. The feet look good. Is the ball grounded? Every inch of Horgan. Yes. You may award the try. Ireland. Lead again. Shane Horgan. And uh, would you believe that's actually the first time Shane has ever watched that try back? Yeah. Uh. So, so nice. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. There. I also loved Eddie's sort of dino hands. Yeah. Uh, one question I want to ask you about that actually is: Can I just say, every time I've, I've watched that honestly a hundred times, and I love it every time. Yeah, it's every just single so time. So ridiculous. Yeah. But I'm just curious. Like you've obviously seen that like so many times. Like in your in your memory now. Do you remember it as it happened, or do you remember it like the oh, TV there's, there's no memory whatsoever. It's only, I'm thinking really, uh, my only memory is now of the video referee. That's yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember of, uh, the, the, uh, the actual occurrence at all. No, that's, that's, that's not, you know, that's not uh, available in my memory anymore. Backed Te- out of it. Tell us about uh, this weekend's game. I mean, is everybody confident that we're going to win this? Yeah. Re- that didn't sound that confident. Anything we're going to lose to England this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> all all, all I, I the Jack Hardy honesty. fans. Yeah, yeah uh, Shane, is there anything to fear about this fixture? Uh, and to fear about the fixture itself, you know, going to Twickenham, uh, where England rarely lose in the Six Nations, and also and to fear about England. Yeah, I know they rarely lose, but we do pretty well over there. And I don't think any Irish team in the last maybe 25 years have been massively fearful of going over to Twickenham. We're, we're, I think we're pretty comfortable. Maybe, maybe that one that lost yeah. <laughs> my yeah. seven tri- trims in the centre. But other than that, I think they're pretty confident. I don't think it's a, not a really intimidating stadium. You know, I think um, you, you go to um, Stade de France, much more so. And um, the um, the Arms Park was it? What's it called now? The, the Principality, Principality now. The bloody band really got me, didn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Um, with, the with, the with, Principality. With, there's much more intimidating stadiums. Twickenham isn't. There's a big crowd, but it's not that you know hostile a crowd. And you know there's a lot of Irish guys over there as well. So um, I, we now I think we're very comfortable in the environment. Um, so that's not a factor. Where we come unstuck is if we're playing against a great England team. And England teams over the years can produce brilliant sides. I don't think this is a brilliant side trend, do you? No, I agree. Certainly what they've done so far, I don't think we need to be that afraid. We just need to have a healthy level of fear for what they can do. And Eddie Jones, he's been to talk of the town this week, as he always is. To scammy Irish. Ah. <laughs> we ordered that clip back in the day. <laughs> um, David O'Doherty. But he's, he's just, he's so... 
he always has something. He always has the ability to get them to a place that they can kick or shit in. See, this, this is really weird, right? Because we had Andy Friend here on Wednesday night, and he said about 10 times, Eddie Jones is going to have something up his sleeve. Mm. And the way he said it, it actually put major doubt in my mind about this game because uh, Andy was telling us that he'd worked with Or Eddie. he's potentially a wizard. There, there well, see, this, you know, we can't discount that entirely either, Shane, you know? Um, but no, like it, like, it really did, like... The confidence that people who have worked with Eddie Jones have in his ability to pull something out of the bag, and we remember the whatever that was, you know, what was that phrase that was seemed to be invented for only that Ireland England game? Uh, game line, what the tackles, the dominant tackles. Remember that game where they literally had like twenty five dominant tackles? I'd never even heard the stat before. Oh, you made up a stat. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. made a stat up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like there is, there's still that faith I think in Eddie Jones to. For him to pull something out of the hat, that yeah, actually but I mean, why didn't he pull it out against Scotland? They scored one try against Wales. They scored one try. They haven't exactly been. A, I know I'm setting us yeah. up for a major fall here, but they haven't been scoring tries in this tournament. So I far. think it's it's because of that rationale that actually makes me a bit nervous. I think the fact that we're favourites going over there makes me more nervous. I just I just think there's something something he knows or he got something or he's clever enough to get something out of them that we haven't quite seen so far. Separate the, I think he's a bit of a genius, separate that off for what he does and what's going on behind the scenes and how he feels like he's almost dictating where world rugby is going or he sees something six months ahead of everybody else. Separate that from the Eddie Jones at press conferences and his only agenda at press conferences is having the crack. <laughs> just, I'm going to wind you up, I'm going to plant the seed over here. I'm going to slag this person. I'm going to put some stat that I've made up over here. Cohesion is the most recent one, and I love it. He just goes places and just, uh, he just walks out of press conferences. There's a burning building behind him. He's like, that was brilliant. I'm going to get back to being a genius now. But I don't think he's a massive motivator. I didn't, that's not his key you know, trait. He's, he'll set a team up to perform in a certain way. And I don't know what they've been trying to do over the last really six months. It seems as if they've been building a, you know, a system around Tuolangi, and he hasn't played, you know, in six months. So you're not seeing this this New England, which he's been talking. About. I, I don't I don't understand it. I think he's bought himself a bit of time. He's saying there's a new generation of English players coming in, and I'm going to try and build a new side, which is fine. But. I, you know, I think, I agree, I think Eddie Jones is a rugby genius, but this iteration of the English team, I don't understand what they're trying to do, and I don't, you know, understand what, how he's instructing them. And that I'm not seeing a philosophy or a method of play that I think will damage Ireland. And I don't think he's a, a big motivator. So if you don't have either of those things, you know, what do you have? The, the big yeah. thing with Eddie Jones is that everybody gives him so much credit for just peaking at the right time. World Cups, that's his bread and butter. But I just, I don't see it. I don't understand how um, losing the Six Nations makes you any more prepared for a World Cup. You try and play as well as you can. If that was the case, I would have won a couple of World Cups. (laughs) (laughs) You prepare as well as you can to play as well as you can in every game. And if that happens to be a World Cup, brilliant. I just don't, I don't see. Um, That's his rationale. If things aren't going well, then he says, judge me by the World Cup. Of course you say that. And also uh, this thing about, you know, England as underdogs you know he said red hot favourites Scotland were red hot favourites in the first game we're only hot favourites we're not quite red hot favourites he upgraded that yesterday Shane he did say we're red hot favourites he said he had a chat with somebody in a cafe who told him Jesus this Irish team are amazing so now we're right he he raised it to red hot favourites but I I, I think he does his English team a disservice there because English, we, you know, as, as Irish people, I think we like being underdogs and, and I think that's useful for us, but it's not useful for that English team. Any, any English team I've ever played against, 
you know, you, you tell them they're underdogs, they'll think they're underdogs. You tell them they're favourites, they'll think they're favourites. So um, I think he's got the psychology of that wrong as well. I hope he has because, you know, you know it, at home against almost any Irish side in Twickenham, in the Six Nations, England should be favourites. Mm, they they for, for the, the thing that's going to get the best out of them is they need to swagger out into that pitch and be as <laughs> English as we know they are. <laughs> but I, I, I agree. The kindest cut of all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's really turning, Andrew's turning the crowd around here, yeah. I must say, after the year. <laughs> Uh, I, do you know what? We play Eddie Jones' latest mind games in inverted commas. I know you don't want me to, but I'm going to do it anyway. So here's Eddie Jones this week. Well, I think, you know, Ireland know it's going to be a physical game. They haven't played a game as physical as this for a long time. They haven't played against South Africa since 2017. Yeah, so we're going to, we're going to bring a physicality they're not used to. And obviously, Armani's pretty good in that area. You know, he's a, he's a guy that they tend to pick against us. Um, yeah, he doesn't tend to play against, start against too, too many other countries but England. And he's a good man for the job, and we're going to be good enough to, to, to outmatch him. So in case you missed the start of that, he said, we haven't, that Ireland haven't played a physical team, or as physical as them, in a long time. Yeah. What is he shiting on about? Two, two games, Eddie. Two games. Cast your mind back to France. France are at least <laughs> as, as physical as England, right? Well, so way more a, physical. Yeah. Way more physical at the moment. They're, the French team and the French pack would eat that England pack at the moment. Yeah, but it's just like, this is... This is just recently, today, yeah, that's, yesterday. That's the last 24 hours. Or so like, this is just, I mean, a few days ago we were red-hot favourites and now we're going to struggle with that level of physicality. So he has no agenda. Someone puts a camera in front of him, he'll say the first thing comes into his head. We used to do, we used to do press conferences and we would have had a, a press person there and they would have been going, say this, say that, don't say that, word it like this, this is our narrative for this week. Can you imagine how stressed <laughs> the English version of that person is? Yeah. <laughs> But just to take it on to take it on to the Irish uh, side of things here, there is a point on this physicality thing. Something we've talked about on and off over the years. You know, the, the balance between ha- having to front up and all that, and actually then being clear-headed enough to play your game. Andy Farrell said uh, after the France game, "I've seen Irish teams in the past fall into this trap of oh, they lost a physical battle, and the next games the sleeves are rolled up and the performance is worse." So, does the Irish team have to? It, be careful to get this right, that they don't start getting into their own heads about how physical they're, they're going to have to be and therefore not necessarily play their game. Yeah, well, I think, you know, from, from um, Andy Farrell's perspective as well, he's put a huge onus on physicality as well. So you've got to be a little bit careful of that. And early on in his tenure, it was all about physicality and, you know, you know what the sort of innate Irish traits were. And I think that's where he got it wrong. Where he's got it right over the last six months, is actually moving away from that and going, we've got brilliantly skilled players. We've got backs um, that, are, that are excellent. We've got forwards that can integrate with the backs really well. Um, we've got offloaders, we've got passers, all those things, and moved away from the physicality or that sort of, you know, that drum of being physical in, in rugby. I think Ireland are, you know, consistently are physical. They've give of themselves, they give great performances. What we need to do is the more subtle and more sophisticated things. And he's done that in the last six months. So I think it's not the physicality that's going to beat this English team. It's the sophistication. And that's what the focus should be. What do you think, Andrew? You can do them both, obviously. You know, you, you, can, be you can do them both, but there's less of a need to be physical if you're just more clever. And it looked that the performance against Wales was clever. It was tip-ons outside the back. And just Wales, the, the Welsh defence were just chasing shadows the whole game. They didn't get near us. France, 
they, to give them credit, their, their defense was incredible. The out to in, very physical, very confrontational, but we didn't get anywhere near the same shape or ask as many questions of that defense as we did to Wales, as we did to the All Blacks. Um, a, a part of that to me, I think, is whenever, whenever Johnny Sexton's not there, we're just nowhere near the same team. We're nowhere this, near the same threat. We don't ask difficult questions of defenses. That's, I think, Johnny's the difference between winning and losing at the weekend. Well, he, he also signed his new contract and announced that he's going to finish up after the World Cup. I don't know people how closely you were following. It seemed like he, he sort of made the announcement. I don't know if he maybe regretted making the announcement because then he's been asked loads of questions on it, obviously, and he did sort of say, well, yeah, maybe it's not the best timing in the week of the England game. I'm not, he's too, too professional for this to be a distraction. But in some ways, you find the timing of this story strange? I, I think Johnny's just fed up being talked about in general. And uh, like we have just, and we've done it again. We're doing it right now. <laughs> but it's yeah, but you want to talk about him more uh, in the week of an England game when he announces he's going to finish after the World Cup. Yeah. So I, again, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe the pre- that press rule got that wrong. <laughs> I would imagine Johnny just maybe um, said he was going to announce it. Maybe just didn't think through. Right. Well, now this means there's a lot more kind of scrutiny around Carberry. Everybody's talking about that anyway. It's all we've talked about. Um, but yeah, it's probably frustrating for him. I don't think I think he's way too professional be, to be distracted about that. And maybe if he does take some of the narrative this week, he might take the heat off some of his team. I think that's a good point. I think he said originally that you know they announced the agreement uh, to the end of the World Cup, and he almost as a result of that, I think he might be thinking, well, I'm not going to be. Nobody's going to think I'm going to play on beyond that, are they? And then as a result of that, the next sort of you know news cycle came out that he was finishing after the World Cup. But then that unlocks, uh, unlocks something entirely different. You know, people are, are, will be asking him now, well, this is the last game you're going to play here and this ground and that, that ground, last Six Nations it was, game. It's like the one more game chance. Yeah, it is. And do you remember that? Yeah. It, like, yeah. And it does, it does um, sort of fill, especially if it's a quiet international week, it does you know, fill the void. So uh, I think almost by accident, he got you know, trapped into, into announcing that he was retiring after the World Cup, just probably because he thought, who's going to believe that I'm going to play after the bloody World Cup? He's nearly 40, you know? There is something about that, and it's the kind of uncontrollables around the, the, the way you finish, and like the contrast for me is O'Driscoll and O'Gara finished in around the same time, and uh, Dricko got a blimp at, La- at the Aviva Stadium and he got to send off every last this, every last that, last time you play here. Remember the jetpack that he took off on us? <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. They put on a hell of a show for him now, I have to say. <laughs> Rory Best was the same. So yeah, yeah. a big build-up to his. His son was on the pitch after every game. His son play was on the Aviva grass more than I was. I'm, <laughs> I'm certain of it. He's more minutes to the green jersey. Than, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was just, yeah, it was one of those things that was, that was a nice way. Probably, I'm sure it's got its frustrations, but I mean, Brian, don't be complaining that you got an unbelievable send-off yeah. every weekend for 12 months. Yeah, it, 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 it also, you know, Drico got a blimp. I was a blimp when I finished. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think there's any chance that, like, uh, tomorrow we, we end up playing like we did against New Zealand, this, like, open, magnificent, pretty style of rugby? Like, is there any chance that's going to happen? Well, I, I think that's where we are. That's the rugby we're type, uh, trying to play. We saw it, um, and I wasn't sure if we could bring it from the Autumn Internationals into the Six Nations, because that's always difficult. It's a totally indifferent environment. There's less pressure. You go to the Six Nations, it ramps up. People, you know, um, regress the type of uh, play that they do. We didn't see that against Wales. We saw maybe one of the best opening games of Six Nations that Ireland have ever had. We then went to France against, yes, a much better team, but we did regress a little. 
And I wasn't sure, even in those opening moments against Italy, if we were back to the Wales again or we were at the worst of our uh, French performance. I wasn't sure. So this all of a sudden becomes a really critical game, not in terms of whether we beat England or not. That's, that's less of an issue for me. It's more of, are we the team that played against Wales and the Autumn International, or have we regressed to playing that more sort of basic, more stationary type of rugby where we're standing outside the 10, we're one-out runners, we're not linking up with our uh, between forwards and backs isn't happening. So that becomes really important. I think that we have enough good players and we have a sort of fundamental mindset in the team to play the, to play the more positive way, but there's definitely a risk when you're going to Twickenham um, that we play the, the other way. Yeah, it, it worries me, I think, when you look at the pack, at that the reason why we look so good, so incredible against New Zealand, against Wales, is because we've got, it seems weird to put all that shape and structure down to the front row and, and our pack in general, but it's because they're all so skilled and they're playing like backs there, but they're as physical as they are. We haven't got Porter. That's a big loss. Kelleher, don't have Kelleher. When did Jack Conan become droppable? I don't understand how he's been dropped. So how, what, what would your back row have been then? My back row, that is the dream back row. Van der Fleer, Keelan Doris and Jack Conan. That's incredible. Is Jack Conan getting the blame for Paris? <laughs> I, do, I just don't see it at all. That's an unbelievable back, back row. And everybody talks about the, the front row, you know, Porter, Kelleher and Furlong. But I, I, was try, I was trying to figure out what the thinking was with bringing uh, Pete back. And um, there's, a, there's definitely an element of disrupting the line-out and being able to work off the back of our own line-out, and that's really important. But actually, more important than that, I think, is England have failed this Six Nations because the ruck ball has been really slow. It's been over four seconds of ruck, which is like ridiculously slow. And if you have four-second ruck ball as a defender, you're laughing. You, just, you, know, you stand in the defensive line, your shape is set, you get off the line the chances are that you knock the opposition backwards. So with, with Pete over the ball, with Ty Byrne over the ball, with Van der Fleer over the ball, I think they're thinking, we're going to slow this up. We're going to consistently keep England at four seconds of ruck, and we don't have to worry about anything else because they won't score tries. The only difference is, though, it's, it's just slightly being more concerned about them than they are about themselves. I think the all, when the All Blacks were in town in November, we didn't give a stuff about what they were doing. We just played our game, and we did it unbelievably well. We didn't need to worry about the threat that they had because they hardly had the ball the whole game. I think whenever we're that structured and that much of a threat, um, then that's, the, that's when we get the best out of this team. So I just don't, I just don't understand how Jack Conan has become... He was incredible. He, everybody was talking about Jack Conan a couple of months ago. What has happened? Have I missed something? I still think he's as good as he was. What We talked about sex in there a little bit, but in terms of his impact on this game, who do you expect the influ- more influential out half to be between Sexton and Marcus Smith? We had Matt Williams here the other night who basically said, look, Smith has been fine, you know. He's been okay in the Six Nations, but, like, he's been hyped up beyond belief, you know. Um, I don't know if you, if you agree I, I with think that. And, and this isn't one of those ones that will really fire Sexton's kind of, um, um, you know, motivation to put him in his place a bit. Yeah, but they're, they're very, very different tens. Sexton, as we saw, the difference between Sexton and Joey Carberry was Sexton just knows exactly what's going on, you know, three phases in advance. He's putting everybody in the right position. He is putting himself in the right position and he's, he's you know, rolling out those plays time after time after time. He is like having a coach on the field implementing the exact game plan that you want to do. He's doing it and he's forcing players to do it as well. Joey Carberry isn't that type. He's, Joey Carberry is probably a little bit more like Marcus Smith. And the problem with Marcus Smith is, and this is unusual for an Eddie Jones team, 
he isn't being as instructive to Marcus Smith as he might be or as, as Sexton is for the Irish team. There's a little bit of an element at the moment of going, Marcus Smith, you're fucking deadly. Get the ball, do something, and we'll be okay. And, and the, not putting the, you know, the, um, the system around him in order to do that. So, listen, Marcus Smith is so good that that works a lot of the time. But at the really highest level, I think it's, it's a lot to be putting on the shoulders of a guy to just make something out of nothing. It's, 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 it's not top-level coaching either. What do you reckon, Andrew? No, it, it's reliance on X-Factor. Um, and that's, that's fine. That'll get you so far if you've got loads of X-Factor. And they've got a massive playing post. So they do have that option available to them. But I, I agree with, with Shaggy. Johnny Sexton is the heartbeat of this team. He's what makes this team tick. I think he is more important, uh, important than anybody else. He coaches this team effectively. Um, he calls all the shots on the pitch in the in the meeting room as well. I would imagine on the training park. Um, so f- for me, he just he just puts that whole structure together and he thinks through what they're doing. But also counterintuitively, if you put that system around uh, Marcus Smith, he'll then react out of that system and he'll cut you up. But just don't put him in and say, "Listen, just do something." Say, "We're doing this," but if you see something else, react to it. And that's where you see the best out of tens, and that's actually Sexton in his younger days when he was, be- was when he was at his best. But Marcus Smith, under in that system, he would exploit someone making a decision. He'd be able to read it, but but he'd have the comfort of the system around him. Okay, predictions then, guys. Andrew, it's time to complete your comeback from your opening couple of answers. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to win this match? Um, Ireland are going to win two points, three points. That's not enough, but we'll take it. Uh, Shane. <laughs> Yeah, I think the loss of Porters is really significant, and I think we're probably all underestimating um, England at home a little bit. But then again, I think England are underestimating England at home a little bit. So I fancy Ireland. I think a tight, but a couple of points. I think we're going to win. Well, stay here, guys, because there's no doubt. Whatever about Twickenham, there's no doubt where the big game is happening this weekend. It's in Rome. It's Italy against Scotland. Yeah, everyone's yeah, second you know. favourites. As Murph might say, play the fucking bad Simon. <laughs> And I had a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down to me and win. It's your content, so I'm terrified of winning the bloody world. I love it! Stuart Hall! I believed in the boys' ability. In Scotland, Aaron is great to work for. Yes, indeed. It's time for our first ever Hogwatch Live. Woo! So, Scotland, Scotland face Italy tomorrow, and you'd have to say that even Scotland can't blow this one. Because this is a team built in the image of its skipper, Captain Stuart William Hogg. And if I know anything about S.W. Hogg, it's that he knows not to look a gift horse in the mouth. Just to dot this down now. Oh, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Listen, well, you know, that sort of thing, it could happen to a bishop. But the key thing to remember here is that it's Italy this weekend. I mean, that's the international rugby equivalent of a, you know, a straight run in from 22 metres out or something like that. This could be one of the great tries, audible groans. I just, I just love it so much. Also, that fan on the left there, that's basically, that sums up what we all feel about Stuart Hogg. We, but of course, we wish him and his boys all the luck in the world. They've got a lot of belief. And we look forward to welcoming Hoggy to our shores in a week's time. You know, I had a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down to me and win. I believed in the boys' ability. Man of the match. <laughs> Scotland are a disgrace to work for. <laughs>
That's the only game on Virgin Media this weekend, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be glued to it. Don't worry. Well, Andrew, you're doing the big one on, on Premier Sports, of course. The great. Oh, per- who's, great who's excited for Ulster, Leinster, Bees? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll see you all down there, yeah? <laughs> Round of applause, please, for Shane Horgan and Andrew Trimble. You can stay there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.